Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Is there anybody that's excited about Jesus in here? Come on. Let me ask that again. Is there anybody that's excited about Jesus in here? Come on. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. Come on. This is the Redeemer. This is the Healer. This is the Justifier. Come on. Let's lift up our voices. He is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be honored. He is worthy to be praised. Come on. Let's lift up our voices to Him, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Redeemer. Oh. I just love Jesus. I don't know if you can tell. But I love being with Jesus. I love being in the house of the Lord. I love being able to gather with family and worshiping God together. Amen. I do have a confession to make. Can I confess as a minister to you this morning? Okay, nobody wants to say yes to that. Pastor picked me up at the airport Friday, and as soon as I saw him, I repented for not working out, you know. I'm like, I'm going straight to hell if I don't work out tomorrow. I have us love our pastors over here. They're amazing people. Let's give them a hand. Come on. You didn't know what I was going to confess to, did you? Some of you look scared like, oh, the minister is confessing. Hey, listen, family, I am just super excited to be here. Uh, like Pastor said, my name is William Wood. I do work with a ministry called Global Awakening. How many of you are familiar with uh, Global Awakening? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Dr. Randy Clark is our overseer. He's also my spiritual father. And for you that follow us and know us, you know that we have an extreme value for equipping the saints for the work of ministry. You know, that's, that's the aim that we have as a ministry is to equip the church to represent Jesus well in their society, in their culture, everywhere that they go. Just this past year, we saw over 500,000 people come to the Lord. Come on. Let's give Jesus praise for that. Come on. And with that being said, I did bring some product with me. Now, keep in mind, I do not bring product to make money. I bring product to make disciples. That's why I bring product. I would like to sow a seed into someone's life this morning and to bless someone with a free teaching. So if anyone can get up here the quickest can have this teaching. Let me see who's going to do that. Oh, boy. Bless you. He kind of has an advantage to do that. That kind of reminds me, both of you running, I was in Denver, Colorado recently. We were doing a conference and I said that and I literally had two people from both ends come run and they got to the center where I have the teaching and they hit each other and both fall out. I'm like, both of you need to get saved right now. (laughs) But it it was like, I, I shouldn't do that, but you know, it is what it is. Are you guys excited to be in the house of the Lord? I feel like I have a very strategic and timely message for you this morning, but before I get into this teaching, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just invite you to be among us, to be with us, Lord. We thank you for the privilege and the honor that we have as sons and as daughters to gather together as family and to worship you as creator and to worship you as Lord. And even for myself, Lord, I ask that you would wear me like a glove this morning, that you would communicate your word and your gospel and your truth and your understanding through me with clarity, with wisdom, with understanding, and with power and conviction, God. And so, Lord, I just thank you so much for this privilege as a son to be able to talk to your family and to my brothers and sisters in Christ. 
in Jesus' name. As you can tell, I'm already using the language of family, and that's exactly what I want to talk to you about this morning is the family of God. How many of us know that the culture of heaven is family? When you read from Genesis to Revelation, you'll see the blueprint of, of, of culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom of God, and that is the context of family, the context of relationships. I, mean, I would even go far as saying this, that the, one of the pillars in the kingdom of God is the culture of family. It is family itself. But not only is, is family a pillar in the culture of heaven, family is also a pillar in the culture of society in which we live now. This is one of the things that I feel like the world is looking for right now, the world needs right now, is the people of God, the family of God, to create and establish the pillar in society that we so desperately need right now, which is family. Amen? Would you agree with that? The enemy has done, has done his best to come against family and to divide family and to destroy family and to, and to cause us to no longer be in unity but to look at each other not as people that complete one another but as people that are in competition with one another. And all of those things are tactics of the enemy to destroy a pillar in society that keeps community. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. But I want to share, share with you some statistics that I've been studying through the last couple of days, and it says this, 40 to 50% of, Amer of marriages in America end in, in divorce. 35 to 40% of children in America grow up in a single-parent household. 25 to 30% of children in America grow up with unmarried parents. So even though there's a family there, but they're still not going with the biblical model of marriage and union. And then 20, that means 25 to 30% of children in America grow up with the potential of healthy family. That is not very good statistics, is it? Only 25% of people that you see in society right now, this is just America, this is just in our country, only 25% of those families have the opportunity to see a picture of healthy family. So I will have me ask you, family, what is our response to this situation? What is our response to this issue in society? Let me say it a different way. What is God's response to this issue? I would like to suggest it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me say that one more time on this side. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. You see, the beautiful, the beautiful way that God works on earth today is through his people. You can see it in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 that it was always God's intention to flow through his creation and to use his creation to reveal his values, to reveal his glory, to reveal his culture, to reveal his family atmosphere. a matter of fact, I can even say it this way. God is seeking the partnership of your will so that his can be accomplished. I want you to think about what I just said. God is seeking the partnership of your will so that his can be accomplished. That means you can have as much of God's will as you will. You see, God isn't interested in, interested in doing things for you. He's interested in doing things through you because he does not create people without giving them purpose. And when he gives you responsibility, he's creating the opportunity for purpose to be expressed. He's creating inside of you an avenue for your design to be expressed. 
So once again, I would like to suggest to you that an answer to society and an answer right now to creating healthy family is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And with that being said, I feel like there are two views that we need if we're going to move in this direction. The first view that we need is that we need to view ourselves as a son with a heavenly father. We need to view ourselves as a daughter to a heavenly father. The second view that I think that we need is that we need to view others. We need to view people, not just, not just as strangers, but as fellow brothers and sisters in the family of God. Isn't that beautiful? Why are these two views important? Because number one, when you look to Jesus, he equips you to be able to look through Jesus. Matter of fact, I want you to go to the Bible right here in Hebrews chapter 1. And it says this about the person of Jesus. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son. Do you see the language in which the Bible is using right here? He's using sonship to a father. But what does this word say? That he has sent a messenger to this age. Some of us know Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is the messenger to this age. So why is it important to know the message that Jesus brought? Here it is. The words of Christ reveal the values of his kingdom. The actions of Christ establish the values of his kingdom in society. That's the reason James chapter 1 says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, so deceiving yourself. It's not just the language in which we are using that creates culture. It is the actions in which we're, demonstration, that we're demonstrating that establishes culture. And so when you look to Jesus, you're looking at the messenger to this age. But I want to even say it this way. When you look to Jesus, you're looking into a perfect picture of your creation purpose and value. That's why you need to look to Jesus because when you look to Jesus, he reveals what every life and lifestyle of every believer should look like. Wow. Just imagine how differently your life would be and how different your approach to life would be. And when you study the Gospels, you don't just look at Jesus and what he did for you, but you look at Jesus at what, as what he did as you. The word Christian means little Christ. That means when I give my life to Jesus, I lose my right to represent myself. Now I represent a God. Now I represent a king. Now I represent a father. Now I represent a family that has a different set of values. And these values are to bring health and healing to society. These values can actually set up people in a way that they can begin to discover their true value, their true destiny, their true purpose. And so this is why we need to look to Jesus so that we can look through Jesus. What's important about looking through Jesus? Because now when I look through the life of Jesus, I put on the lens of, of, of the creator. I put on the lens of Jesus himself. And now I no longer see people as they are. I see people as they were created to be. Oh man, I, this is good news, family. But why is it important to look at myself first? Because, it, because by looking at ourselves first, listen, we don't need to try to fix other people until we get ourselves properly founded upon God's word. 
You see, this is why I want us to look at ourselves in relation to the Father because now, now when I look at myself and I look at the way that I need to respond, now everything that I do isn't based on what people do to me. In other words, people's bad actions should never determine your good deeds. If we would stop trying to fix everybody else and focus on our relationship with God, then we would stop reacting to issues and start responding to the heart of the Father. You see, society is looking right now for a proper context of family. Society is looking for right now for sons and daughters to awake, to, to arise and shine and reveal the answer to society, which is Jesus Christ himself, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, we need to begin to look at ourselves as God's answer to the world's problems. That'll change your prayers, won't it? You see, God doesn't want to do things for you. He wants to do things through you. And so you need to understand that you're not living in this area by accident. God has placed you in this area and he has placed in you his spirit. He has placed in you his authority, his power, and his kingdom. And he says, now you as my son and you as my daughter, reveal, reveal my values and establish family. Isn't that beautiful? Matter of fact, I want to say it a different way to you. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 goes on to say this. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, we call him Abba Father. Listen to this. For his spirit joins with our spirit to, to affirm that we are God's children. Isn't that beautiful? This is amazing. Why do I want to reference and read this passage of Scripture? Because this gives us a context of understanding. We all know that Jesus was fully man and he was also fully God. In a similar way, you are fully human, but yet you're filled by God's Spirit. Come on now. If that doesn't get you excited, your wood is wet. You need to dry that wood out so it can catch on fire this morning, amen? In other words, what am I saying? When you become a born-again believer, your spirit and God's spirit is joined together in union, and it makes up the new creation. That means in your spirit right now, you look just like Jesus. That means in your spirit right now, you are righteous and holy and pure. That means in your spirit right now, wow, you're able to live from the fullness of Christ within. And that same spirit is inside of you saying you're a son, you're a daughter to a heavenly father because he dwells within you. How would your life look? How would it be different if you viewed yourself as that holy temple where it's God's spirit dwells? 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, do you not know that you are the temple of God where the spirit of God dwells? Do we realize that this building is a, it is a house of prayer, it is a house of worship, but so are you a house of prayer. So are you a house of worship. And so when you go into society, you set up temples of worship. And you show people how to worship the creator through your words and through your actions. Is this helping anybody? This, this perspective right here has absolutely changed my life, family. 
I don't just look to myself. I look to Christ within, and I understand that when I look at Jesus, I'm looking at a perfect picture of my created purpose and my created value. As a matter of fact, I could even say it this way. Any way of thinking that would undermine the identity of Jesus undermines my purpose. Any way of thinking that's inconsistent with the person of Jesus is inconsistent with the purpose you have in your life. Oh, man. I thought that was going to get somebody excited, but I guess not. This is why I'm bald. Really. Like, I, like the fire of God burned my hair off a long time ago, you know. Like, I, I love Jesus, man. I, like, I go after him with everything that I am because I know the life that I live, and I know the drugs that I've done, and I know the sins that I've committed, but I also know the Jesus that I have met. I know the King of kings that I have met, and I know the Redeemer, and I know the Justifier, and I know what he'll do to your life and for your life. Oh, man. The second view that we need is we are to view people as fellow family members, brothers and sisters in Christ. Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through 2 begins to paint this beautiful picture. Jesus begins to address two different mindsets in this chapter. And so what I want you to do, is when you go back home, I want you to study the parables in this chapter because it's going to give you a picture of what Jesus is addressing in these first two verses. Luke 15 verse 1 says this, now all the tax collectors and, the, and, and sinners were coming to him to listen. Everyone say the lost. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. Everyone say the religious. Saying, this man receives sinners and even eats with them. You know, how dare Jesus hang out with people that need help? You know? What is this revealing right here in this first two verse? It reveals, number one, a value system of heaven is that he, Jesus, has come to go for the lost. But what does it also expose? The value system of most religious people, people is that they disassociate themselves from the very ones they're called to reconcile. You see, religious people think their holiness is found in their separation from the world instead of their union with Christ. And so what will happen, a religious person says, well, I can't go over here and I can't hang out with those people because it's not going to project a, a proper image. Jesus wasn't concerned about his image. He was concerned about their redemption. And so when, when we get to a point where we, we value the voice of God more than we do the fear of man, now we begin to present the pure gospel because now it's about bringing reconciliation, not my dignity in the way that I appear before man. So Jesus right here is exposing these two belief systems. He's revealing his value system, and he's exposing the religious mindset of the day. Now, we're going to get all the way to the parable, which most people will identify and recognize as the parable of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're not going to go all the way through it, but how many of us know this parable isn't just about that one lost son? It's three characters merging together within this parable. It's about a father and two sons. It's about a, a loving father. So the actual proper heading for this parable is not the prodigal son. It is the loving father. 
This is the proper heading of this parable. But I want you to notice right here, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, the very first statement that Jesus makes right here, and he's reconciling these two things. He says, and he said, a man had two sons. If the parable doesn't begin with, the, with this, a man had two sinners. No, it says a man had two sons. What is Jesus doing? He's reconciling the religious to the lost. And he's saying, no, actually, the person that you're disassociating yourself with is actually your brother and sister in which you need to reconcile and redeem. But as long as you view them as a dirty, rotten sinner, you will never have a value system for their redemption. Oh, man. Like, are we getting this? So what does this reveal? Jesus did not come to simply save sinners. He came to reconcile lost children. And so now my, the way that I view people and the way that I view the world is not saint and sinner. It's, I don't need to look at the world as dirty, rotten sinners that I need to disassociate myself from. No, I need to look at them as lost brothers and sisters in which I have the answer of redemption, in which I have the answer of reconciliation for them. And so I need to view them through this set of lens. Is this helping anybody? Like this right here will change your life, family. So if we're going to introduce healthy family, if we're going to be the answer instead of a, an addition to the problem, then we need these two sets of lens. Well, I need to look to Jesus so that I can look through Jesus, and I need to look at each other, everybody that I encounter as a fellow brother, as a fellow sister. Does that mean everybody's going to get saved? Absolutely not, but it doesn't change the way that you should view them. Oh, man, I, I love the gospel of Jesus. I love the gospel of Jesus. And so now I want to give you a different context. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Jesus gives us another set of lens to see through. In my redemption, in my reconciliation, in my advancement and establishment of family, I have to have this view. He says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, come on now, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all of these things are from God, listen to this, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, not the ministry of judgment, not the ministry of accusation, not the ministry of division, not the ministry, listen to this, of judgment. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation, which means your voice should be anchored in reconciling instead of judging. Do you realize when you allow yourself to begin to accuse, you've come under the spirit of the Antichrist. And now Satan is using your voice to authorize his purpose. Why does, why does the enemy want your identity? Is because he is seeking the authority of your voice. And the message that you and I are to carry is the message of reconciliation. The message that I, I see the brokenness and I see the hurt and I see the bondage, but I don't see to that. I see through that. And I see your original purpose, your original value, your created design, which is in the image of God. And everybody deserves an opportunity to respond to their purpose and value. Oh, man. Ah. 
That's how I feel sometimes. It says, and it goes on to say this, and he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation, not counting their trespasses against them. The core value of reconciliation is not counting people's trespasses against them. Oh, man, this is some good stuff. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's good stuff. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of God, be reconciled unto the Father, reconciled unto God. And so what's the core value that we are to have in creating and being reconciling? Not counting people's trespasses against us. Do you realize that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you? He didn't wait for you to clean yourself up. He didn't wait for you to be redeemed. He didn't wait for you to get holy and righteous. No, he says, I'm going to come to the dirt. I'm going to come to the broken. I'm going to come to the addicted. I'm going to come to those that need redemption. And while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. I'm telling you, there needs to be a fire in our hearts again. There needs to be a hunger in our relationship again. When we know what we've come out of. Listen, I grew up an atheist and overdosed on drugs, and an angel appeared to me in the hospital room and preached the gospel to me. That's how I got saved. And so when you talk to me about righteousness and holiness, it's a big deal because I understand my flaws. I understand my shortcomings. I understand who I'm not, but I also understand who I am in Christ. I also understand now my created purpose and value. I also understand now when I look at the image of Jesus, I am looking to a mere image of my purpose, my design. Do you realize that when you hold people's trespasses against them, you are demonizing the image of God? When you demonize people, you're demonizing the image of God. You're disgracing the image of God because every single one of us was created in God's image for a purpose of being an exact representation of him on earth. Isn't that beautiful? I know every single one of in here, every single one of us in here, we have people in our life that have hurt us, that have beat us, that have done things against us. But listen, when you hold that against them, you're keeping them from redemption. Listen, I've buried 12 people in my family. I had a friend that I hang out with, which is also was my drug dealer. He had a date where he murdered seven of my friends. My brother was murdered in a drug deal gone bad by a, by a person, by a woman with the same last name as me. And I had an opportunity to look face to face with the murderer and say, I forgive you because Christ died for you. And you have an opportunity now to be reconciled unto the heavenly father because everybody deserves that opportunity. Not because I say so, but because Christ says so by dying for you on the cross. Do you realize Jesus thinks you're to die for? I love this stuff, man. This is amazing. You've seen the the set of lens. You've seen the, the mission, the assignment of the church to bring reconciliation, to bring redemption to society. Matter of fact, I want to even take it a step deeper. Can I do that, family? You know, pastor told me that I had three hours today, so I'm I'm kidding. I'm prophesying. Some people call it proper lying, but I don't know. (laughs) Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 says, For just as we, everybody say we, 
have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one, everyone, everybody say unity, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Not only are we family, not only are we brothers and sisters, but we are also parts of the body of Christ that complete one another. Every single one of us in here are interconnected according to God's design. Let me say it this way. You are, my, my purpose and value is divinely connected to your purpose in my life. Let me say it a different way. You are so significant that the body of Christ is incomplete without you. It's incomplete without you. Why? Every single one of us in this room, we carry an aspect of the nature of God that nobody else on this planet can reveal in the same way that you and I can reveal it. And so when we fail to reveal that, we rob the world of an aspect of Jesus they need. I feel like a boxer. I don't know why, but it's true. So what does the enemy do? The enemy comes in to bring division. The enemy comes in to get us to look to one another as, as co competitors instead of people that complete each other. Oh, yeah. How does he do that? By getting you to compare your function to somebody else's. Do you realize that comparison is the sacrifice of contentment? You're no longer content with who God designed you to be as long as you compare yourself to somebody else. Why? You all generally compare your weakness to their strength. Do you realize when you have a desire to be someone else, it's a sin against your own design? When you truly discover your originality, you never want to be somebody else. When you truly discover your purpose and value and your function within the scheme of God, within the plan of God, within the purpose of God, you'll never want to be anybody else. Listen, every single one of you, you're born an original, so don't die a copy. Because when you copy yourself after somebody else, you just become a cheap imitation of their purpose. Some of you right now are saying, man, he's a lot different than Dr. Randy Clark. Absolutely. <laughs> Randy's so quiet and nice, and I'm like, hallelujah. You know, like, I, I want to jump over pews and stuff. I want to run around and just get excited. Uh, not, because, not because we have different values, but because we have different functions and because we have originality that manifests Jesus in a different way. You see what I'm saying? And so this is the importance of every single person in this room. You're a son and a daughter to a father, but you're also a brother and a sister that makes up the body that brings unity. The reason the world isn't seeing the fullness of Christ is because we have separated the body of Christ and revealed aspects of who Jesus is instead of the fullness of who he is. If the enemy could cause us to divide, he dismembers and disembodies the power of Christ on earth. Now listen to this. He dismembers the body of Christ on earth or disables the body of Christ on earth. If I lose the function of my right arm, how many of us know my left arm can still get both functions accomplished? But if I lose the function of my legs, now I need outside assistance to come take the place of responsibility and function. You see it? At some point, if we allow the enemy to cause us to divide, at some point the body of Christ is so disabled that now artificial designs will take the place and the role that we are called to function in. Yes. 
All right, I'll leave that alone. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I need to hurry up. I have 35 seconds. Do not count. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. And he says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ until we all. I love the Bible, man. This is so good. Until we all attain unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, and and to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, but by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. Listen to me, family. We are to grow up in in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Listen to this. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, you and I. Wow. Causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I can only mature to the degree you operate in your function. God is not going to allow me to run this race in such a way it dislocates me from the body of Christ. Any understanding of identity that raises up individuals is an unbiblical perspective of identity and sonship. God is interested in a people. God is interested in a family. God is interested in us as a whole, representing him as a whole. And so you may be asking yourself right now, but William, what are some practical things that I can do? What are some practical applications I can have to my life to demonstrate this in society? I want to give you three things that you can do. There's three values of healthy family. Number one is this, community. Why is community important? Community provides a place for people to belong. Community provides a place for people to belong. So you may be an extreme extrovert, and this may be easy for you. This may be easy for you to create community and to hang out with people and build friendships, or you may be that extreme introvert that can only do things one-on-one. But in both cases, you have an opportunity to create a place for people to belong. Let me ask you, family, when people get around you, are they rejected or do they find home? Do they find family? Do they find a place to belong? Just because a Christian rejected you doesn't mean Jesus has. You and I have this wonderful opportunity as sons and daughters as a family to create community, to give people purpose, and to give people a place to belong. The second quality or value of a healthy family is unity. Unity provides togetherness. See, unity isn't necessarily about agreement. Unity is this right here. I'm going to be with you. And even though we're in the midst of the battle, I'm not going to abandon you. And I'm not going to leave you. And I'm not going to stra- uh, leave you stranded upon an island or by yourself. But I am here with you. And I'm walking with you. And I'm fighting this fight. And with this unity, it creates togetherness. Now we begin to see the value of every single individual person in our life. And now we see that unity, we see this togetherness, and we know I'm not in this alone. The world is looking for unity right now. They're looking for a place to belong. 
We don't need to be part of the problem. We need to be part of the solution by creating in society healthy family. And the third practical thing that you can do is safety. It's a quality of healthy family is safety provides protection. Do people feel safe when they're around you? Or do they feel exposed? Do they feel safe when they're in your midst? Because every single one of us on a practical level, we can create community, give people a place to belong. We can create unity, accomplish togetherness, and we can create safety where they feel comfortable exposing their weaknesses so that they can be healed. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Why does love cover sin? Not so that you can continue in it, but so that you can deal with it under the protection of love. I'm so glad Jesus did not hold against me my sins and hold against me my wrongdoings and hold against me. You and I have this wonderful privilege as a family to reconcile brokenness in this society. And with that said, I want to pray for two groups of people. Every single one of us is in this first group of people. And that is all of us as a family. Family that have either failed or neglected to see the world as lost brothers and sisters and disassociated ourselves from the world instead of getting involved with the world. Jesus did not come to liberate you from the world, but for the world. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.